Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Creative Control with Vish Khanna. Hello there. I'm just staring outside of my window here in Guelph, Ontario, and it's snowing. It's for real snowing, not not the kind of piddly stuff. It's actually snowing. It's pretty normal for November, but it's also a little sad. It's a little cold and sad where I am right now. But uh, that's neither here nor there. This show is not sad. It's a good one. Tim Heidecker is on the program to talk about his latest record with his group, Heidecker and Wood. Uh, the album is Some Things Never Stay the Same, and uh, it's just out now. And it's cool. It's, it was fun to get to talk to Tim. I think a lot of you might know Tim from his uh, comedy work, but he's also a very talented musician. He takes it very seriously. And at the same time, there's, a, I guess, I, su- I suppose, a kind of irreverence within the music, but it's also very serious. And it's, it was, a, I think, a very insightful conversation. He's a very kind man, and I, I was honored to have the time with him. So here it is. Uh, myself and Tim Heidecker, and you're going to hear a new song from this record that I was just telling you about. Some things never stay the same. So by the end of the interview, new song, good times. I'm going to go get a shovel and shovel the snow, I guess. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Enough Said, All is Lost, How I Live, Watermark, a special viewing of Bonnie and Clyde, and more. As part of the Bookshelf's 40th anniversary reading series, authors Catherine Bush, Michael Winter, and Karen Connolly engage in readings and discussion of their latest works on November 12th at the E-Bar. On November 13th at the E-Bar, Cup the Duke, Odd Years, and Danny Nash play a show. And on November 17th, Evening Hymns, and Andy Schauf come to town. The Bookshelf is located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. Visit bookshelf.ca for more information. Tim Heidecker is a talented musician and singer who is one half of the rock and roll songwriting duo Heidecker and Wood. Along with Davin Wood, Heidecker released a record called Starting From Nowhere in 2011 after the duo had established a rapport working together on the TV program Tim and Eric Awesome Show Great Job and also the film Tim and Eric Billion Dollar Movie. Now they're back with their sophomore record, a decidedly decadent affair called Some Things Never Stay the Same, which is out November 12th via Little Record Company. Here now to discuss this further is Tim Heidecker. Uh, Hi, Tim. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm very well. It's uh, great to speak uh, with you. Now, where in the world are you? Uh, Los Angeles, California. Los Angeles. How are things in Los Angeles today? Oh, it's a beautiful, sunny, uh, temperate day. Oh, nice. That's that's. I, I would describe it's... my my station here in Ontario as, as almost essentially the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of par for the course out here. It gets a little boring. Yeah, yeah, I can. I've heard this. That people talk about the weather and how it doesn't change. Really, it's always the same. You know what? This sounds a little strange, but I've no. I've lived here for about nine years now, and I've noticed a thing that really bothers me about the weather here. It's the sun. 
in the in the winter, the sun is is the, I guess you call it the low winter sun. You know, it's it's always kind of a little bit low in the sky, so it's always sort of that sunsetty kind of. You know, when you're driving in traffic and the sun's going right into your eyes. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like that a lot of the day here. Oh, okay. I so that, that's like a weird negative thing that you wouldn't think would be bothersome, but it kind of uh, it gets annoying. Well, they have that. It's not quite the same thing, but in the prairies. Have you been to the prairies in Canada? Because that's what. Yes. It's, it's like that too. It's, you can't avoid it. It's always in your face. Right. Yeah. My my wife is from Edmonton. Right. The, my wife is also from Edmonton. That's where they all come from. <laughs> That's where wives come from. It's true. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I like the city, but it. Uh, yeah, you need. I don't know. I'm surprised no one's like. It's blindingly crazy. Anyway. Yeah. I, I, I'm. Gl I'm glad things are, are well there for you. Now, um, I want to talk about this new record, and I'm first of all curious if you learned any lessons uh, making your first record that informed this new one, because uh, it seems a little more. As, as I believe, as it's it's a little more indulgent, I suppose is the word to use. Okay. Um, well, I think we we um, the first record we basically made all um, by ourselves. At the last minute, we went into the studio just to record some drum tracks on top of what we had already recorded. Mm -hmm. Sort of, we made the whole the whole record pretty much using guitars and uh, MIDI and, you know, uh, software instruments in the computer. So um, that gets a little lonely and it gets a little um, uh, restricted to the sounds you can get and the, and the our, our abilities as musicians. So the, this record, we had our demos and we said, let's go into the studio and do this the right way and actually, um, you know, work with other people and bring in other musicians so yeah, we got we got we might have uh, you know gotten a little crazy with the with the uh, t what we could do you know you know oh we can get backup singers let's bring them in we get a horn section bring them in you know all that stuff is available to us and for the most part you know I think uh, it suits the songs and enriches the songs but it's just also fun to do it's fun to like just you know, get really layer your songs with with different textures and uh, make them big and fun to listen to. Yeah, there's this this thing happens sometimes with uh, musicians who are working in sort of solitary solitary conditions. At some point, uh, they seem to always want to get as many people as possible working on a thing, and that seems yeah. to, that seems to have happened with you. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, we we got some really great players. The guitar player Mike Bloom is all over this record, and it's just fun to sit in a room and watch somebody that's really good at doing what they do and and letting them go and you know not have to do it yourself. Yeah, is there a social aspect to too? Because when you when you you know, there's kind of uh, the, the duo as a format is is it's mostly in folk and things like that i i guess or maybe yeah. maybe jazz but is there a social aspect to having as many people involved as possible absolutely i mean you know we're uh i'm i'm pretty familiar with the back of davin's head which is sort of the the uh the dynamic when we're in this in my little garage working it's davin's at the computer you know dialing something in for hours and i'm sitting behind him Going, yeah, that sounds good, or no, it sounds. Just try something else, you know. So it's like that. That dynamic gets a little gets a little old after a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's a decidedly um, '70s flavor to the earnestness, I think, of the production, the arrangements, and maybe yeah. maybe even the lyrics here. Can you can you talk about why that era might be important to you? Well, it's I don't know how important it is, but it's the music I like. It's the music we both. Uh, like and grew grew up listening to and and I've kind of go, keep going back. I just keep going back to it. I I find it, uh, it just speaks to me. It's it's the kind it's the 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 personalities. You know, people like Warren Zevon and Randy Newman and Harry Nilsson and the, these singular men who were you know making these songs that were really personal and, and funny sometimes, like, you know, a lot of humor is in a lot of their songs and a lot of darkness, and uh, and I, I just find myself listening to that kind of music a lot, and it, 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 it has an organic quality to it, you know, I've always felt I, I, I liked making, I liked listening to music and I liked making music with real, uh, or, or at least real sounding instruments and, you know, 
so yeah, that 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 just is the when I'm sitting at a piano or a guitar, um, playing around and and making up songs. Those are the kind of songs that come out of me. So it's just natural for us to for, to see that through. You mentioned Warren Zevon and uh, you know the, uh, there's and Harry Nilsson. These are, these are people that I think had a very rebellious nature in terms of songwriting. Like uh, they they seem to be able to do and say whatever they wanted. And they weren't shy about uh, infusing sort of serious material with humor. And I, I'm right. curious, uh, do you relate to that? Yeah, I think they it, it can go line to, line by line sometimes, you know. And uh, the first record, I think, was way more of a joke. You know, it was like there, there was a clear we were making funny songs uh, in a, in you know couched in in music that we took seriously. Um, on this record, it's a little more ambiguous. I think I'm never really coming, I'm never writing from a, a completely sincere place. You know, they're always either um, they're always either uh, characters that are singing these songs, or um, you know, sort of uh, experiments in wordplay. And mm. you know, what 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 can you say? What you know, there's the song um, "This Is Life." I mean, the, the, the verses of that don't make any sense, and that's intentional. They're just, you know, what words sound good together and what sounds like you would, what words sound like the kind of words you'd find in a Steely Dan song or, you know, these sort of yeah, yeah. Uh, ideas that are just fun to listen to and fun to put together. Well, you mentioned that particular song, and, and you mentioned the kind of, uh, you know, maybe maybe tentativeness about being too sincere, but when you step back and listen to this record... Do you see any particular themes emerging on some things never stay the same beyond, uh, you know, the kind of sonic aesthetic that we've already discussed? Is there something maybe lyrically that's come to pass? Because I've noticed a couple of things. And I'm just curious what you think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think try as I might to uh, to bury everything in humor. There's uh, th jokes always come from a from truth. You know, they come from a place of something's going on in my own head, right? So mm -hmm. there's like there's there's thoughts about religion in this record. Now they're they end up being kind of silly because if I get too close to something serious, I'm going to spice it with something stupid, you know, <laughs> to keep it to keep it fun and interesting. But obviously that's something I'm thinking about um, you know, the the song coming home, you know, I I go out on the road and I'm away from home a lot and I do comedy, I do you know, we've done tours, and I've gone away to shoot shoot some movies and stuff. And um, so, you know, yeah, I'm sitting down thinking, uh, you know, it's only been a week, but it feels like a year. And it's like a song that I would think in my head is a kind of a classic, you know, uh, Homeward Bound style song. But by the time I get to the bridge, I'm bored of that idea, and now I'm going to just try to put a little joke in there, you know. So there's some jokey lyrics and and so yeah it's a mix you know it's like I, I don't I, I try to this project I try to keep fairly um, subtle and and not over over the top in terms of the humor but I always think that I'm gonna I'm trying to put in something that might make you either smile or or, or laugh or think think twice about what the hell I'm doing yeah what were the th what were the themes you 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 picked up on well the the notes <laughs> I made here it's interesting you mostly touched upon them all I wrote here was traveling airplanes spirituality cocaine that's all I wrote <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah and, well like the cocaine is a, is a song that I wrote that that I think so the what the what's funny about it to me and maybe this isn't funny to anybody else but I that's the only thing I ever do is try to make things that are funny to me, you know, mm -hmm. um, is I, I just wanted to write a song that was like a, a purely positive uh, song about cocaine. Like there's no every song about cocaine is always like you better be careful or, you know, watch out for the devil, you know, that kind of thing uh, with like a little twist to it. Uh, this is just like it's a song written from the perspective of a guy who's like hasn't seen the downside of it yet like he's just pure, he's like so new it's just like hey this is great and everybody should know that that's not what's you know that's not how it goes you know i i i'm not uh, uh, i'm not suggesting anyone do it or you know i'm not uh, no no but it's it's a joke but it's just a, st a stupid idea that like there there should be this really positive these days there should be some kind of like it's a great thing 
But in the context of the record and the sound of the record and, and the era you're you're kind of nestled in uh, sonically with the thing, it kind of does feel like a song that someone might have written when cocaine right. was first becoming popular and and the, you know, <laughs> right. you know what I mean like and that yeah, yeah. that makes it really odd because yeah <laughs> yeah I'm sure there's songs out there that that probably weren't popular enough for us to remember or know you know that that are buried on the B side of some one of these singer songwriter guys that's where it's you know very positive about yeah it. maybe maybe yeah I don't know that it's it's an interesting thing I mean you're sort of messing with temporality that way even like when I wrote Traveling in Airplanes, I and I can't cite specific examples right now, but I do remember that seeming to pop up as a trope a lot in songs of that era. Yeah. Like, we're just people were talking about, because air travel was kind of new at the time. Uh, right. In some level, like the kind of, it wasn't common anyway. And um, so it, it's, it's interesting. You've really, like, if this ends up in a time capsule, it's going to be very confusing. Like, in terms <laughs> <Right>. of... <laughs> well, uh... Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's the that's that's the case with a lot of things these days with, you know, Instagram and people putting these filters on their photos like, well, how are they going to know when this picture was taken? You know? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. But, uh, you, you mentioned that uh, this is the kind of music that sort of speaks to you. It's, it's stuff you were raised on, the kind of 70s stuff. Uh, can you maybe elaborate upon your musical background? I know bits and pieces of it, but can you talk a mm -hmm. little bit about what attracted you, what first attracted you to music? as a fan and then eventually as a player? Well, I liked the volume of music. You know, I liked, uh, the, how, no, I'm just, uh, I'm giving you a joke answer that I didn't <laughs> think all the way through. Um, <laughs> no, I've always, you know, I've, uh, music and comedy kind of are like tied in my mind as things that I care and love. Um, I started, I think at first with music and, and being a big fan of the Beatles and when you become a big, when you become a fan of the Beatles early enough, that that kind of becomes a gateway to everything, you know, and it it really informs a whole class of music and turns you on. It becomes a really almost, it almost became, you know, kind of a hobby for me to learn about the Beatles and then learn about all the rest, all the other bands that came in their wake. Yeah, and when, and, you, when you say they're a gateway to almost everything, would you include comedy within that? Um, sure. I mean, yeah, I guess so. I mean, th th those two things kind of came probably from a couple, from different angles, but, uh, um, I certainly appreciated the humor that was in, was in the Beatles music, you know I mean? You know my name, look up the number and, and of course their films and, and their... Every interview. I mean... Uh, every, every, yeah, I was going to say all the press conferences and yeah, that was, you know, something that spoke to me. Uh, pretty strongly and informed uh, my sense of humor, as as did Monty Python, and Monty Python was clearly influenced by the Beatles. You know, like, yeah, yeah, it definitely came out of, came out of them, and um, and the, yeah, so so from there, I think it made me a lifelong big fan of 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 music, of pop pop music from that era, and. Uh, you know, you just keep going down the rabbit hole where suddenly you're listening to country music because of, you know, older country music because of it, and Dil Dylan becomes a huge influence, and all that stuff that it just sounds gross to say because it sounds like I'm, I'm a walking Rolling Stone magazine, <laughs> but, you know, because it's so, like, it's so typical for, for certainly a lot of people my age and my ethnicity that this is the things I like, but... Um, but there, I feel... like, there's subversion in all of those things that you mentioned, even though they've been, uh, you know, adopted and, and embraced by a, a mainstream media or whatever. A lot of the Beatles stuff, a lot of Dylan stuff was really satirical. Like, and if you delved into it, you had these very earnest songs, but under there's this underlying kind of bite to them. And I think... I imagine like like that's what I related to as a kid and as someone that yeah. could 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 appreciate music but also had a a real appreciation for comedy and I'm curious if that if you thought of that at all. Uh yes, I, I mean I think the, the, what was so enriching about listening to all this music was that you could um get things you can get multiple layers of things out of it, you know, you can 
enjoy it on a musical rhythmic level and then you could listen to lyrics and think about what they were thinking about and trying to say especially with Dylan and and you know what the only the past few years have I really gotten maybe in the past 10 years have really been gotten turned on to like the early Randy Newman records mm -hmm. and Warren Zevon and and uh, people like that 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 you can really sit down and listen to their their words the lyrics and it's like kind of like reading little short stories or something they're very they can be very funny and very uh, political and um and, and and at the same time musically satisfying so um when and in some sense I'm making I'm I'm doing a parody of that or I'm doing a kind of uh you know spoofing that a little bit but at the same time, I I enjoy I just legitimately enjoy it too, and and enjoy making songs in that in that school and that fun, you know. But is it way. is it a sincere spoof, if that's possible? Like, <laughs> like do you know what I mean? Like, it, it seems like you're, uh, you know. I, I think it's an homage. I mean, I think we could say it's an homage. Yes. Okay. You know, yeah. and, and and then you know, then sometimes it's not. Sometimes like, you know, uh, on something like Salvation Street. And that's pretty silly, you know. Like that's a silly Van Morrison blue, like soul, you know, soul gospel uh, way of, to over little, over sincere. Yeah, a little bit of Bruce in there too. Little Bruce, yeah. And uh, so it's weird. It's you know, it's a, it's it, it might be a little confusing that I like I do like this music, but it's kind of I'm not pretending. To, I don't. I'm not taking it too seriously. Where I think I'm I'm on that level. Um, I mean, my friend said, um, you know, and I don't know if I should have taken this as an insult, but he said, he was like, I heard this Bruce Springsteen song, and it was like on the radio, and he was like, it's basically not that different from what you do. And what it shows is that those songs aren't that complicated. They're not that um M m magical, you know, like, oh. <laughs> like you, you know, you know. I mean, it's I don't necessarily agree with that, but you know, you I can. It's not that hard to make those songs. They're simple. They're they're within grasp. You know, <laughs> they're 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 fun to do. They're pop songs. They're three minutes. They don't have to be that important. Yeah, but by that token, would you? I don't really hear your music as particularly rudimentary. You know what I mean? It sounds like it's got a sophistication to it, even though we're talking about this line between sincerity and humor and, and how you're kind of negotiating that. But when I actually, yeah. when you actually listen to what you're playing down musically, it's not straightforward. Like it seems that like you do, no. you, you know what you're doing. Uh, no. The, yes. Uh, but I think that there's a, a tr there's a, um, there's some, once you know some of the tricks and once you know sort of the structural elements of, of these songs, they aren't, they're, they aren't that complicated when you know how to make them, you know, the, there's, we're, we're, we're not making uh, Tchaikovsky here, you know, they're, uh -huh. they're, they're, they're pop songs that have four or five chords in them to, in totality. But I'm not, I'm not trying to discount all that. I'm just saying it's, they're meant to be, they're meant to be uh, on some level fairly uncomplicated. Right. Okay. And that makes it kind of fun. I mean, those are the fun songs, you know, like, Ring Around the Rosie is a song you remember because it's very, very simple and easy to remember, you know, and that sometimes makes makes for good, fun songs that you, that you remember. Are there are there songs of that era, because you talk about paying homage, you use the word parody about people that you admire, but are there songs of that era that you genuinely dislike and could see yourself kind of, or, or have you skewered certain songs in some ways? Um. You know, there's a lot of I've kind of burnt out on on classic rock a little bit. You know, in in general, I think like it's hard for me when you turn on like the classic rock station to not get a little annoyed by the the playlists that that continue to just you know whether it was the Leonard Skinner and and the Bachman Turner Overdrive, all those like not you know it, like some of the the overplay of that kind of of those songs that we're just so tired of hearing China Grove or you know like just shit that I don't want to hear anymore mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I just am tired of and you know bands like The Doors and there's just stuff that just belong 
in my teenage years, and they can just live there, and I don't ever need to hear those songs again. And you don't revisit um, them in your own work. And I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't have interest in trying to replicate that. You know, yeah, all the stuff, all the stuff we do is generally uh, based on stuff that we actually do like. I don't, I don't think. There's, I, outside of Heidekin Wood, you know, I do these Dylan parodies from time to time, and that's because I want to, because I love Dylan, and I think he's, it's really fun to try to, you know, replicate that sound as much as possible. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I mean, I will tell you, I'm a big Bob Dylan fan. I've seen Bob Dylan like 40 times. Yeah. And, uh, and I, and I, wow. I, yeah, I've seen him a lot. I wrote, I, and I, I don't know why. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details telling you this but i wrote like my master's thesis on love and theft his 2001 album so i'm like a i love i love that right i'd love to read that oh I, i'll send it to you if you like it's kind of please, please do it's a little half-baked and i finished it the day i went to see him on the 25th anniversary of elvis's death and he by playing a song called tweedledum and tweedledee he actually proved a point of my thesis which i really <laughs> I'm oh proud terrific of. yeah anyway i i can send it to you it's a little half-baked but um mm-hmm. he is a, a figure that uh I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm when I hear your parodies of him, I can't tell if they're coming from a place of, 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 of love for him. And, and you know, and I can hear aspects of like infidels or something. Like some of his records yeah. se- seem to come through in in your choices on this new album. Um, so th- there's clearly you like him, but mm-hmm. he's he's worth kind of taking down a peg or something. Is that fair? Well, uh, you know, uh, I love. I love him, and I, he's very important. But he's got—he's—he's he's made so much material that 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 he's opened himself up to be goofed on a little bit here and there. You know, what I mean, yeah. Uh, like, and and I'm, you know, the only thing I thought I the the uh, running out the clock, which was the infidels spoof. I mean, that joke was like to me that joke was. Um, pre- creating this uh, this fake story that he was going to be playing the Super Bowl. Now, to me, that was so funny because the thought of him playing the Super Bowl halftime show is is absurd. Um, but what's weird about that is why is that absurd? Because the Who played it and Paul McCartney played it. You know, people from his era have done that. Stones, but. The Stones, yeah, all the, but but to think about Bob Dylan doing it just seems ridiculous, right? Doesn't it? Well, it, it's it, a, in like contemporary, <laughs> like now you mean? Yeah, it would be now, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, now. Yeah. Even though these other guys have done it recently, so that was like making me laugh. And I thought, well, what is? Let's write a song like, you know, like a loose football song that Dylan might have made back in the '80s, with like some terrible analogies. So then it was just like, wow, could I dial in that that that? Uh, infidel sound on my own so it just became like a fun experiment just to make how close can i get to that sound so it's you know it's nothing nothing personal against 
against Bob there. No, just, it's a, uh, he's, a, yeah. he's an interesting figure, right? Because a lot of yeah. a lot of us, it's, it's crazy how many, how many people I talk to that respect him, but there's also this sense of like, how long is he going to keep doing this? Why does he keep doing this? Uh, right. And, and you know, further to your point, he is a pretty big sports fan. Like, I know he's a big baseball fan. I don't know about football. but Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's a huge baseball fan. Like, it's not without... Like if he was honored, if it, I, I bet if he was approached, you know, because he does things that surprise us, I bet right. he, I, I bet he would be honored enough to be like, yeah, I'll play the Super Bowl. Why not? Right. So, I, it's just weird to think that he doesn't that like. There's, I guess, especially if you've seen him recently, his concerts are kind of polarizing in terms of the. Yeah. You know the, this. You know, so just to think of like, how would he make? What songs would he pick, you know, and how would he, you know, it's just like a funny thought experiment to think what the audience of the Super Bowl would think to see this super old man, like, (laughs) it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it is. It is fairly preposterous, but maybe, you know, I I imagine like Michael Jackson's performance was as polarizing at the time, you know, like these icons, they get these icons and not, it's a football audience. Like, and I'm not trying to generalize about them, but, uh. You know they're there to see a game. Like I don't know, this they just get they they are forced to endure whatever the Super Bowl people put in front of them. And, right, right. <laughs> but but he's another figure that I think you know uh, sought to take. Like he came kind of came out taking himself very seriously, and then did everything in his power to ask people to stop taking him seriously. Right. And uh, oh yeah, yeah. His career has always been a uh, guiding light for me in the choices I make and, and mm. in comedy as well of, yeah, like don't worry about what might seem like the popular thing to do or always be, you know, just the very simple idea of like ne- always never be repeating yourself and, and always, always trying new things. And, uh, you know, that's not, not that he's the only one that's done that, but you know, you could look at his career and just see it in black and white. You just see how clear he just like, just, burned his, you know, his own uh, perception, you know, his own image, his own identity uh, yeah, yeah. For, the, for the sake of kind of self-destruction, but also for self-exploration and trying new things. So and we're always self-preservation too, I think, self-preservation. Yeah, ultimate, a... ultimately, but, but he didn't know that that was going to work. You know, that's the thing is he didn't have the perspective that we have he just was like i'm doing this because this is what i want to do hmm. not out of some i don't think out of some kind of strategy necessarily well, maybe he's brilliant but it's hard to imagine it's really fascinating to hear uh, you talk about what a figure he is in your creative work i, I mean i vaguely knew this just because of you you clearly by by parodying him you have his nuances down so you seem to be coming at it from someone who studied him but, absolutely yeah okay that's interesting i I'm kind of wrestling with what's been going on. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about different eras of comedy and the meeting ground between comedy and music, but certainly in the last 10, 15 years, we've really seen this kind of conflation or, well, not a conflation, but this, again, another sort of space where indie rock and sort of underground comedy have really merged together, and you're seeing musicians who... Uh, play music, or rather musicians who uh, want to get into comedy a little bit, and uh, comedians making music. Can you maybe talk about that in terms of maybe an impulse, like from your perspective, like what is it that wants, that that demands you approach uh, both sort of mediums, if you will, and, and, and use them as a means of expression? Yeah, well, there's a lot there, for sure. Um, I've, uh, you know, f- from a comedian, from a comedian's perspective, um, I, I will say, you know, we've the, the earliest fans of of the stuff I've done with Eric um, have a lot of times have been musicians, and or the or, say, or I should say the most notable fans of ours have been musicians that have approached us, and um, and it was uncanny. It was like you know from bands like the Shins, and then all and then you know Frank Black and and um, Trent, or not not Trent Reznor, a guy from Tool. Just these people that are like, you know, so I was at a thing the other day, and somebody comes up and she's like, "Would you do you want to go see the Black Crows?" I'm like, um, "I don't know." <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, because my husband is uh, is Chris Robinson. He's a huge fan of you guys." I'm like, "What is it? What is it with these musicians in our show?" You know, <laughs> and 
but I don't know. I think we it goes back to being on the road and having a laptop and and being you know and I know that feeling of being on a on a tour bus and and being silly and getting you know watching stupid videos and I, I'm sure that that people that's how people come to find our work a lot of the time and that's fine that's great well what, what I find um, like I mean when I tour with musicians which I've done on numerous occasions road managing or playing we almost always play comedy CDs like to while away yeah. the, the drives and I imagine right. I, I think that's in, like I, I don't know what that is and I, I've noticed it more and more obviously you know there's so many examples of uh, people like you doing what you're doing and you know, Michael Sarah, there's just so many people. And I just am curious, right. about, just curious about, I don't well, know. Well, then, yeah. So then on the other side of it, me as a comedian wanting to do music, I think, yeah, a lot of, um, a lot of us come, come into what we're doing now, um, having all, having done other stuff as well. So Eric was in bands. I know a lot of, a lot of, creative people just do creative things you know we've I've done all kinds of different things comedy happened to be the thing that that you know got that got us a career and and it's something we love dearly and but it's just not the only muscle I have it's not the only interest I have and playing music is is just a completely different experience and feeling um, and I try to do it when I can and as much as I can uh, and, and and do it in a way that makes sense mm -hmm. Um, I I would go down and I would join a band and play rhythm guitar because it's fun, you know. <laughs> like whether or not it would lead to anything doesn't matter as much. Um, you know, we're Eric and I are playing. We have a band called Puss Whip Bang Gang that is sort of a comedy band that plays songs from our show, mm -hmm. and we're we're playing the show on Saturday for this Tenacious D festival that's happening in L.A. And we're practicing, and we're just like, this is a blast, you know? It's like playing rock music is just fun. It's just like really, really fun. Um, and I'll do that forever, you know? So the extension of that is making records with, with Davin and writing songs and making them sound as good as uh, we can. And whether or not, if people are going to, you know, question or... or uh, bother to bug me about like well but you're a comedian and this is embarrassing you should be you know what are you doing you should be making clown music you know <laughs> so I don't really care there's going to be enough people that can figure out that um you know I have different sides yeah to me. so is the fundamental position then that you just are doing what you want to do and you don't really care how it's received like in any in any case well, um, I do care, and I, I, I appreciate when people like work I do, and um, am disappointed if people don't, uh, if they're you know if they're sincere about it, or you know, listen, we've for ten years now we've gotten people that write us daily saying, "Die, I you know I hate you, huh. <laughs> I hate everything about you, you scum." You really? Know. Wow, geez. So, oh yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, you have no idea, and you know that eventually that starts wearing away at you. And you're like, fuck, what, what is wrong with them, or what is wrong with me? You know, but uh, you know, I think there's a balance to it, and there's people that get it and don't get it. So I'm, you know, you're affected by it, and I like to know that people uh, are getting what I'm doing, but it's not going to stop me from doing what I'm compelled to do. Okay. Well, that's yeah. fair, and I appreciate you answering this because I, I've i been kind of wrestling with this idea of where comedy and music are meeting and why they're meeting the way they have been. It seems like I'm sure there's a larger sort of, uh, like in the big picture, we've seen sort of musical orthodoxy die, you know, the idea of being like, well, I only like rap music or I only like rock music. Uh, we're seeing that disappear where, you know, in the last 25 years in particular, it would it's become okay to say, no, I like everything. I, I can listen to Miles Davis and I can listen to Black Flag in the same afternoon yeah. and I'm not crazy, you know? And and maybe that's, exactly. maybe that's that open-mindedness is informing, because I think that's where comedy comes from too. It's absorbing everything um, right. and spewing it out into, you know, it's filtering it out in a, in a, in a different way and from a different lens. Yeah. So I mean, I, I'm going to like stuff. I'm generally going to like stuff that comes from, you know, a personal, a personal uh, 
place, you know, mm -hmm. a, a, a general, like, a, per, a person's, I'm not going to worry too much about what genre it is or what kind of music I'm supposed to like or what kind of comedy I'm supposed to like. Yeah, and, and, and as a creative person yourself, it seems like you're, you've taken that those sort of ideas and principles and that's what you are as a being you're just going to do the creative work you're going to do and you know it, it's just right. whatever drives you or inspires you to do something it, it's 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 cool it's cool to see you do this thank you yeah you're welcome so what's what's coming up, <laughs> what's coming up next for you tim in terms of uh heidecker and wood like are there are there tour dates uh or anything that uh, could be in the offing is it is it too big a production like how do you would you like? It is, would you? Too, it is. It is too big a production. I mean, we we've played a few shows, and you know, it, it it's like this nine piece band with the horn section, and uh, it, it's really fun. And it's a shame that uh, it can't be a, a road show. Um, but we're gonna. Play, I think we're gonna play a couple shows in January. We're gonna play uh, at the Sketchfest in San Francisco, mm -hmm. which will be our first time out of L.A. And then we'll probably play in L.A. and I think also um, do a uh, do a like live stream of it or videotape it in some way that makes it you know fun for our fans to watch. Okay, that's as good as I can do for now. Yeah, I mean it, it sounds like uh, <clears throat> I, I don't know how seriously you would. I mean I, I bet you would like being on the road playing music every night, wouldn't you? Um, yeah, we did that. Eric and I did that on our last tour a few years ago. We did this Puss Whip Bang Gang thing, and it was a, it was exhausting, but it was very fun. And it was I don't know what our audience thought. It was like it was pretty damn self indulgent to do. <laughs> uh, I think they had fun, but uh, it wasn't like a lot of laughs necessarily. Right, right. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, it's fun. And the but I I I got being on the road. I think I've gotten that out of my system a little bit. It's not it's not necessarily as fun as you would think. No, being away from your family and, and all that stuff. No, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, the, I, I I neglected to really ask you about the kind of collaborative framework between you and and Davin in, in Heidecker and Wood. How does it actually? Can you kind of step back and let us know how it works exactly? Are you bringing in a lot of the ideas and he's augmenting them, or is it a true collaboration? Well, on the on the the last record, the first record, it was a little more collaborative, where he would come over and we would kind of start from scratch. Um, you know, where we would start um, a song based on very very rough things. This record, and I don't know why, I just think I was a little more, I had some more free time. And and uh, I, I had my little studio set up in my home. I, I had just a lot of songs that I'd kind of fleshed out pretty fully, um, and and I wanted to put them out. So more, most of this, more more than a, a lot of the songs in the record are just songs that I'd written. And and the great thing with Davin is come over and we'd kind of. And he'd just enrich them and and create these great harmonies and create arrangements that really suited the kind of song and mm -hmm. and and helped it and helped it just really shine. And then the songs Davin has on the record, those were pretty much his from you know start to finish. Those are his songs he brought in, and um, we just had so many. I had so many songs that that um, we had to cut a few and and you know prioritize certain things, but. Um, it's the way it works. It's just uh, he's so great at uh, dialing in of, of sound and getting um, certain keyboard sounds and guitar sounds and things that, that really are going to make the, the, the feeling of the record sound great and authentic. And yeah, so that was the process. I okay. think it's worked out, worked out well. So uh, you you mentioned what's sort of up next for Heidecker and Wood, a couple of shows. Uh, presumably, this is a collaboration that can continue. It sounds like you you have kind of you have it down to a bit of a science, and you, you yeah. make the time for it when you can. Is there work coming up for you that you can share in terms of uh, your other life, your work as a, a comedian or a filmmaker, or actor, that kind of stuff? Um, no, I uh, well, yes, um, I Eric and I are. Um, Doing a new show for Adult Swim called Tim and Eric's Bedtime Stories, oh. which is a called a short film anthology series. I guess it's just a different different story every week that kind of starts fresh. Um, just an excuse for us to make more 
crazy stuff, but a little more cinematic, a little more kind of story-driven, but crazy and hor hor horrifying, I'm sure, and, you know, all the stuff we love doing. <laughs> okay, when when will <laughs> so that... That's coming up. Do you know when... Well, that... we're going to start shooting it early next year, so it probably won't be on the air till late next year. Okay, well, that's great. That, I, I know yeah. that, uh, you know, people are going to be excited about that, too. That's cool. Well, I want to let people know that, uh, once again... The new Heidecker and Wood album, Some Things Never Stay the Same, is a great one, and it's out November 12th via Little Record Company. Uh, Tim, what is Little Record Company? I'm not familiar with this imprint. Uh, Little Record Company is a record label uh, run by Pierre DeReeder, who was the bass player for uh, Rilo Kiley. Oh, okay. And he produced, or he um, engineered and mixed this record. Uh, he played bass on it, and he's just, he... Uh, he has a great deal, uh, sort of a very artist-friendly little label where, you know, you get all the benefits of being on a label with the uh, distribution and and support, and uh, you keep most of the money. Oh, well, good. <laughs> yeah, that so worked, that, that works out. <laughs> works well. out in our favor. Of course, yeah. There's no, there's no, you know, big advances, and there's no, uh, you know. Um, limousines picking us up, taking us to the studios, anything like that. It's just sort of a little more straightforward, and it works good for us. Nice. Well, again, some things never stay, stay the same out on uh, Little Record Company. For more information about it and uh, all things related to the band, please visit HeideckerandWood.com. That's H You can actually put the put that put that influence on the on the high Heidecker. Hi 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 Heidecker Heidecker and Wood.com. Sure, I'll do that. I was going to spell it just so people have it. H-E-I-D-E-C-K-E-R-A-N-D-W-O-O-D.com. That's HeidekkerandWood.com. <laughs> uh, Tim, if we were going to go to a song right now, and I, I, I don't know if you'll indulge us and let us hear a song from this record. Is that possible? And if so, could, do you mind picking one? Um, sure. Um, let's uh, let's uh, go to Getaway Man. Getaway Man. All right. Why did that come to mind? Oh, is it? Do you want a song from our record? <laughs> that, that is from that is from your record, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. That's, yeah, that's the third song on the record, I believe. I think it's the one that first came came to my mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. it just yeah. came to mind. All right. This is that's the that's the single. So. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, this is Getaway Man. Are we? Am I supposed to push the single? <laughs> you you are. That's the way the record industry would uh, prefer yeah. it. So I'm sure Little Record Company would be thrilled at your choice there. Right. This is Getaway Man by Heidecker and Wood. Uh, Tim, uh, great, great pleasure to speak with you again. Thank you very much for your time. Yes. Talk to you later. Thank you.
safe house. Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.